Hey, what is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to give you an update on all the new things that are happening here at VBPH Sermon Podcast. Want to begin by saying how much we appreciate you, the listener, for allowing us to make these changes so that we can be a blessing to world evangelism. If you hadn't heard, in the last week we had... uh, begun to put out some uh, advertisements on the podcast. The reason being is that that is a very easy and simple way for us to generate some funds uh, just by you playing this podcast. And if you didn't hear that, uh, the reason for that is because we are going to use everything that this podcast produces is going directly to the cause of world evangelism. And so uh, we want to see how much of a blessing we can be to nations and missionaries around the world just by you listening to a few uh, advertisements during the sermons. Uh, That will immensely help us to be able to raise some funds. And just to give you a heads up of what is possible, in the last week, just by you listening, we were able to generate $20, close to $20, Uh, just by adding those simple advertisements uh, to our sermon podcast feed. So that is the reason for that. And we also want to just update you with this major change. So we now have in place the ability for you to become a premium subscriber. All of the links are going to be in the show notes if you are interested in this. So what this is, we are producing now a version of the podcast that has zero ads, it has zero extraneous content like intros or outros, it is simply a daily podcast that is going to show up in your feed and uh, so you can get directly to the sermons that you love so very much. We want to give you two options for this premium podcast. We promised that we were going to provide a $3 a month version of this premium podcast, and that is now live and ready for you to subscribe to. The link that you're going to use is vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. Now, I know all of you are uh, waiting on bated breath with pens and pencils and paper in hand, Uh, But the easier way, of course, is just look at our show notes. You'll find that link right at the top, vbph-sermons.supercast.tech. When you go to that website, you're going to have a very easy way to put in your credit card information. It's a seven-day free trial. You're going to get to hear what subscribers hear on a daily basis. And for three bucks a month, you can have seven sermons per week directly delivered into your podcast feed. And uh, no no ads, no fluff, just the sermons that you love for three bucks a month. We also do have some options on there. If you want to prepay for a year, uh, save a little bit of money, uh, that also will help us. Then uh, the other big option that I'm very excited about is for Apple Podcasts. So as you may or may not know, if you are an Apple device user. If you are on an iPhone, iPad, or on a Mac listening to your podcasts, Apple has just updated their podcast app with the ability for podcast producers like us to provide subscriptions uh, to our listeners. So I am very pleased to let you know that 
we are now live up and running with a subscription-based model within Apple Podcasts. We know that about three quarters of you are listening to this right now on an iPhone, and most of you are listening through the podcast app, the, the native Apple Podcasts app. So uh, what that means is it is especially simple for you to become a subscriber. Um, the only downside to that is that we uh, our, our goal was to raise $3 a month per subscriber, uh, but unfortunately, Apple takes a big chunk out of uh, out of that subscription. So uh, they for every dollar that you pay as a subscriber, Apple is taking thirty cents. So that is a thirty percent cut just for providing the platform. So because of that, what we did was we uh, we upped the monthly subscription cost specifically on the Apple Podcast app to four ninety nine per month. There's also a yearly option, and so that way we are still generating that $3 a month, at least, that we had set out to do in the first place. So if you want to give Apple the extra money and you just, uh, the convenience of having it there uh, in the Apple Podcast app, it's so simple. Your payment information is already there and ready to go. So for a convenience factor, it's amazing but it is a couple extra bucks per month. And so we just wanted to explain that to you and let you know that that is available. So we hope that that is a blessing to you. The other thing we wanted to announce is our current goal that I think is very feasible and I think would be a huge blessing. Our goal is to begin producing $100 a month toward the cause of world evangelism. And the good news is that in the short time we've had these subscriptions up, we are already raising $10 a month, and we think that we can very easily get to $100 a month uh, toward world evangelism. Wouldn't that be amazing that just through your subscriptions and through your listenership that we can, can begin raising money that will be a blessing to uh, the nations, to missionaries, to our mother church, and to the cause of world evangelism. Uh, would you join us in that? We would be so grateful. And hey, if you don't want to pay and you want to get the three sermons a week, man, that is awesome too. We are so glad to have you as our listener. No matter what level of support you are providing, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you for being a listener of this sermon podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. We hope you're getting inspired. We hope that God is speaking to you through these messages, and we are very excited to continue to provide this platform of sermons for you for the next coming weeks, months, and years to come. God bless you guys. We're praying for you. We appreciate you so much. Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, Get ready to hear from God through this message. John chapter 1. The book of John is unique among the four gospel accounts because it is, it is, uh, it is written 
at the end of John's life, the other three, what are known as the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these are eyewitness accounts intended to be just a straight telling of the facts from three separate points of view. The purpose of the Gospel of John, though, is a little bit different. John wrote his eyewitness account much later in his life, after the accounts had taken place, after he had had some time to reflect on the meaning of what he had seen and what he had heard. John, as he writes this account, he is an older man. He is on the Isle of Patmos, and he's looking back to the events of the life of Jesus with a particular eye. And if you'll notice, the book of John, it does contain stories that are in the other three gospel accounts, but it focuses in primarily on the most important events and what they learn from them. It focuses on the miracles of Jesus, and it focuses on the time uh, after the Lord's Supper. So starting with John chapter 13 and going all the way through to John chapter 21 spans the time of about 48 hours. So he spends uh, several chapters on a very particular time in his gospel. The story we're going to read comes is, is the after the prologue where uh, John introduces his subject. But this account is the account of John the Baptist, not the same John who is the author of this book, but he is describing the one who came to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. His name, John the Baptist, was actually the cousin of Jesus. And uh, there is a ministry represented by John the Baptist that is very important for us to remember and to realize. My goal this morning is that we would all remember the important power of being cleansed through forgiveness and healing of the blood of Jesus. Now, I live less than one mile from the church building. And on my long commute this morning from my house to the church building, I drove down Linhaven Parkway, and I observed something I already knew, but I saw in that short journey, I saw two very prominent car wash facilities. How many of you have had your car washed in the last month or washed it yourself? All, most of us, right? And uh, what, what you'll discover is that on a day like today, in fact, if you stepped outside this building and looked down the street at that car wash, what are you going to see? You are going to see a parking lot filled with vehicles that are getting cleaned, right? Especially on a sunny day like today, people say, you know what? My car is dirty. I'm going to take it down there to get it scrubbed. And there's, there's a do-it-yourself place right around the corner. If you go to the end of Lynn Haven, right there at Holland Road, there's a full-service car wash where you can sit in their nice lobby and let somebody else scrub it for you, right? And people are willing to pay a price in order to have their vehicle scrubbed for them. And as I'm thinking about that, you know, I have been to the car wash. I, I don't go to the full-service one. I go to the do-it-yourself because I like to save money. But uh, have you had the same experience as me when I go and park my car to do the, you know, to do the vacuum thing and I see familiar faces in the parking lot? I've seen people there before. In fact, there are some people uh, who go there so often that they pay for the premium subscription, pay a monthly price to get 
uh, access to that car wash anytime they want. And they'll go multiple times per week to get the vehicle cleaned. And I am amazed this morning how much time, energy, and effort people are putting into the task of keeping their vehicle spick and span. And how many know that's not dependent on just people who have nice, fancy cars? Have you noticed that? That no matter what vehicle, sometimes it can be an old beat-up car, it's got some miles on it, got a few dings on the fender, but you know what? People still spend time making sure it looks as good as it can get, right? Are you all with me this morning? The car wash is still a very viable business model in our world today. Why? Because people want to keep their cars clean. Now, I want you to think about this. The sad reality, it is possible to drive away in a pristine vehicle and still to possess a wretched soul, a perverted mind, and a corrupted heart. And I want to ask you this morning, what's more important, the condition of your vehicle or the condition of your soul? What is more important to keep clean this morning, the dashboard of your car or the perverted thoughts in your mind? Think about that. In 10,000 years from today, is anyone going to care how much time you spent scrubbing your car? No. But in 10,000 years, you will still be benefiting from the work of cleansing your heart. There is a compounding interest when we will put as much work into sanctification of our souls as we do cleaning our car. I wonder this morning if you would take the same kind of time that you go to the do-it-yourself car wash and you spent that same kind of time and effort scrubbing the wickedness off of your soul, I wonder how much of a different person you could be in a very short amount of time. Today I want to examine with you the ministry of John the Baptist. And, uh, and I believe there's something we can all take away from this message this morning. John chapter 1, reading together verse 19, says these words. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny. He confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? And what do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He is quoting now from the prophet Isaiah. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know, It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to bring cleansing and purification to the hearts of your people. I'm praying, God, that we would be serious 
about making ourselves as you are, holy in all our ways. I'm praying, God, for those who need cleansing and purification. That includes everyone here this morning. And I'm praying, God, that you would lead us to repentance so that we can be clean. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. This is a message I've titled Soul Scrub. And that's what we need this morning. The Bible, if you will be a student of the Bible, you will notice that there is a great focus on cleanliness. Cleanliness. That, uh, that just like some of you, you know, uh, I heard a story. I'm going to forget who it was, but one of the traveling evangelists who came into town and we were riding uh, together, uh, taking him around town, and uh, we had got, oh, it was Pastor Campbell. We had stopped at, we had stopped at uh, Starbucks, and, uh, and so I was getting in the car, and I put my Starbucks on top of the car, and uh, as soon as he saw that, he started giggling. <laughs> he started laughing. And uh, so, Pastor, what, what's that all about? He's, he started telling me about another pastor in a city that was giving him a ride, going to church. And, uh, and so Pastor Campbell said that when he was, they stopped at a Starbucks, and he happened to do the same thing like I did and put the, the, the coffee cup on top of the car while he was getting in with the plan that he was going to reach up and bring it in the car uh, after he had sat down. And so what he said was that at just the right moment before he reached up to grab it, there was a gust of wind. And that gust of wind caused the coffee cup to tumble off of the top of the car. It did a flip in midair, and the cap came off at just the right angle where it spilled all over the car. And he was telling me how this was hilarious. The wife of the pastor was in the back seat, and this pastor loved to keep his car in a pristine condition. He, he had every nook and cranny uh, wiped down. He had every speck of dust removed. It still had the new car smell. And as soon as that cup came and spilled all over the passenger side, uh, including Pastor Campbell's suit and pants, uh, uh, he was laughing about it, but he could tell the pastor was annoyed. <coughs> How could you let this happen, Pastor Campbell? <laughs> but what, what that reminds me of, some people are very particular about the condition of their car. Some people could care less. But there are some, you know, that when it comes to their car or perhaps their house or some area of our lives that we will not put up with a lack of cleanliness. This is very true of many things in the Bible. The words clean or cleanse occurs 150 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it is preoccupied with the idea of uncleanness or lack of cleanliness. This idea appears 207 times. In the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, where it tells us the laws of the people of Israel, it is filled with ceremonies and procedures uh, of what the priests are supposed to do in order to keep the people of God pure and holy. You've probably read through those books and thought to yourself, gee, there's a lot, there are a lot of procedures involved here. There's a lot of cleansing and purification and hand washing and the blood of the lamb and sacrifices. And what is the goal of, of all that? The goal is to keep a pure heart before God. 
Now, why is that? Why does God spend so much time and instruction giving revelation to Moses and to his people about all of these procedures to keep people clean? I'll tell you why. Because we have a tendency to not be clean. Have you noticed this? If you've ever had a two-year-old in your house, you will know they have a tendency to not be clean, right? Those little, I mean, it's a good thing those little creatures are cute because they make a whole lot of messes. We currently have a puppy in our house. Now, that puppy can be cute and cuddly. And that puppy can, you know, lick, lick my arm and, and, you know, and be so cute and loving and tail wagging. And the next moment, leaving a pile on my floor. Why? Because the tendency of life is that we cause messes. We have to train that puppy. We have to work. We have to say, no, no, don't do that. Put her outside to teach her. We don't make messes in the house. We have a tendency like the puppy, to have filth in our lives. It is, goes to the second law of thermodynamics, which states that the nature of things always tends to process from, an order, from, a, from a state of order to a state of chaos. That The natural world around us, how many understand, it is not a clean place on its own. There is a difference between a garden and a jungle. A garden is a place of plants that is kept and maintained by a gardener. But what happens if you leave the garden alone, you stop pulling the weeds? How long does it take? A matter of months or maybe a couple of years until a garden turns into a jungle. That is the state of nature. If you took your car and you simply parked it outside at the local Walmart, and you just left it there, leave it for two years, for three years, for five years, if it didn't get towed away, what would happen to the car? Naturally, it would just fall apart. The paint would begin peeling, right? The tires would blow up because the rubber is, is oxidizing. You know, the seals are going to, and you, in five years' time, you try to start that car, it would be a miracle if it actually started. Because the tendency, you leave it for five years, maybe leave it for 50 years. What's left? Maybe just a frame. Maybe it starts rusting away. What I'm saying is that this is the natural state of life. Things are moving from a state of order to a state of chaos. That is true in the natural world. That is also true about your soul. If you don't pay attention to the condition of your mind, the condition of your heart, or your relationship with God, if you just leave it alone and don't do anything to it, it's not going to be long until it starts degrading. Until the natural state of your mind goes from a garden to a jungle. Now, isn't it wonderful that God created us with these magnificent bodies that have mechanisms built in that you don't even have to think about? And there are so many parts of your physical body that are intended to keep your body free from invading problems there you have you have systems entire systems of your body that are keeping you alive without you even thinking about it think about this you have filters in your you know how your car has an oil filter well guess what you have a liver 
And that liver is there to cleanse your blood. Your blood flows through the liver and takes out impurities, things that aren't supposed to be there, just like an oil filter, and comes out the other side clean and ready for the rest of the body to use. That's incredible. God created that. You have kidneys. You have, uh, you have a skin. The, gr- the biggest organ that you have is your skin. What does skin do? It keeps bad stuff out and keeps good stuff in and lets a few things pass through when necessary, right? It's a miracle. It's a filtering system that for your physical body to keep the gross stuff out and keep the good stuff in. It is to maintain purity. And if any of those systems stop working, have you ever seen somebody with liver failure or with a kidney failure? It's not good. When those systems of getting the bad stuff out stop working, when the debris is not removed, when you don't take out the trash, guess what? It piles up and becomes a killer. If this is true in our physical body, it's also true of our spiritual body. It's no different. This is why the Bible calls us to lives of purity. Everybody say the word purity. Let me read you a few scriptures so that you don't have to just believe me. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We sang that song today. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. It wasn't just some smart person who came up with that. That was the word of God in a, in a, in a format of a song. Psalm 24, verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Did you hear that song when we sang it? Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. That is from Psalm 24, verse 4. Psalm 51 says, Purge me with hyssop, I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. And verse 10, which is another source of a song we sang today, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The Bible is very clear that not just our physical bodies that need cleansing, but our spiritual lives, our minds, our hearts, our soul. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, Therefore, Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Let's imagine that you walked out from the service today and you've made up your mind, I'm not going to take a shower. How long would it take until people around you started to notice that? It wouldn't be long, would it? Maybe 24 hours, and guess what? It goes public. No matter how shy you might be, you are publishing uh, an opinion about yourself that you are not worth taking a shower, and it's not going to be long. People start looking at you. People start sniffing around you. What is that? Is that Ramon? What? Usually, he takes a shower. What's wrong with him? It's not like that, usually. Uh, he's here on Sunday morning, so I get to pick on him. <laughs> but he, uh, it wouldn't take long, right? But the problem is, 
When we don't take care of our soul, it's less obvious, right? When you don't have the, uh, the habit of confession and forgiveness and asking God to purify you, see, the problem is you can go for days, weeks, months, and maybe nobody would notice. It doesn't become obvious the same way. So in our scripture, we have the ministry of John the Baptist captures the attention of those first century Jews and indeed the rest of the world. After the Lord had been silent since the prophet Malachi, 400 years go by, and God begins again speaking through John the Baptist in a kind of prophetic ministry. And what we notice about John the Baptist is what was his message? He had one message that he came to preach. What was it? It was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. He understood that in order to prepare the way for the ministry of Jesus, that people would have to begin thinking about this idea of having a cleansed and a purified heart. This is the, this is the definition of true ministry. Matthew 3, verse 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's using the form of ministry called baptism, water baptism. And this was a tradition that had developed during the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was a way for the Jews to bring Gentiles into the Jewish faith. This was something that, uh, that had developed. In fact, before John the Baptist showed up, it was the only way that Gentiles would be able to have any dealing with the Jews. You have to be baptized in order to come in to our community. And those dirty Gentiles, they needed to take a bath before they could come into fellowship in the Jewish faith. So John's ministry was quite radical because for the first time, he was preaching not only the dirty Gentiles in order to become Jews that they needed to be cleansed. What he was preaching is not just them, guys. You need to be baptized, too. He's saying we of the Jewish faith, we the ones who think that we're all high and mighty and better than everyone else because we have this history with God. He's saying to his community, to his people, to his city, to his nation, you are unclean, too. But he wasn't talking about their sin of idolatry. He was talking about the condition of their heart. In essence, the main message of John the Baptist is that Messiah is coming imminently. He is on his way. In fact, he is even here, even though he has not been revealed. You are unable to receive him because of your uncleanness. And so he preached the baptism of water, which is the baptism of repentance. Come and confess your sins so that you'll be ready when Jesus shows up to receive him. This is why, beloved, that you and I, we must have a habit of confession and repentance. We must have, somewhere in our lives, we have to have the recognition that I, there's a part of my life that's not right with God, that's producing filth. There's a difference. How many understand? There's a difference between apologies and repentance. Have you ever had somebody give you 
an apology that didn't mean nothing? Mom, I'm so sorry. No, you're not. How do you know someone's not sorry? Because they don't change. An apology just means I feel bad that I got caught. An apology says I'm sorry that you were offended by what I did. That's, that's the kind of apology that the world has. I'm so sorry that you feel the way I feel or the, that you feel about the thing that I did. But I'm not going to change. That is not repentance. An apology is very surface level. It doesn't produce anything good. But what repentance produces is an atonement. The word repentance, as I mentioned a couple of sermons ago, it means a change of mind. It means a change of direction. It's like when you're driving and you're going the wrong direction and you recognize this is the wrong direction, I have to turn and go back the other way. I had, uh, what was it? This was, this was Pastor, um, Pastor Bob Alvarez who had come. This was when he was pastoring back in Tennessee. And uh, he actually drove to Virginia Beach to come preach for us. Maybe some of you remember that. And so <laughs> when he was heading back to go out of town, he, was, uh, he had got a hotel over there in Chesapeake, just off of the freeway. And <laughs> there is this little section on the freeway where you can be on I-64 going west, but if you look at your compass, it actually says east. Has anybody ever run into that before? There's that little section as it's coming down from Chesapeake into Virginia Beach. So the road, on, the sign on the road says 64 West. But you look at the compass and it says East. And I remember when Pastor Alvarez was driving out of town, he saw this and got very concerned. He didn't know if he was going the right way. And he called me and he said, he said, Adam, what's going on here? The sign says West, but I'm going East. What's wrong? I said, just stay on the road. You're going the right way. <laughs> it, eventually it turns around curves back and goes to the west but that can be very concerning right he he said i i'm supposed to go west going back to tennessee but but my compass says east do i need to turn around you know there's times in our lives that god will show us that we're going the wrong way have god god ever done that to you it's a great gift when he does says you're thinking the wrong thing your opinion about this issue is wrong you need to turn around the answer to a life going the wrong direction is not just, man, I really feel bad about going this way. I really feel bad about, you know, beating, beating my, 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 my wife and my kids, kicking my dog. I just really feel bad about that. That doesn't change anything, right? It requires repentance. It requires a change of direction. And this is what the baptism in water represented for John the Baptist. It is a way of seeking forgiveness from others so that they can seek forgiveness from God. True repentance requires confession. Public. What I did was wrong. Not covering it up. No excuses. No blame. It also makes an attempt to repair the damage. What can I do to make it up to you? Is there something that I could say to make it better? It is the idea of seeking forgiveness. And what this ministry produced from John the Baptist, it produced a spiritual purity. See, when wickedness is uncovered, then righteousness can be exalted. Listen to what uh, Peter said. 
2 Peter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. So Peter shows us that a pure mind is something that can be stirred up in us, something that we can be provoked to. And this is the problem is that many times we will not repent until someone stirs it up. David had sinned before the Lord, had committed grievous adultery, and had you know, killed Bathsheba's husband as a result, covering up his sin. And he existed like that for an amount of time until the prophet Nathan came and began to show him, David, you're not right. You, there's a dirty diaper in your life that needs to be changed, right? If you have a kid that makes dirty diapers, you understand you can't leave that dirty diaper alone. We have to change the dirty diaper. We have to take out the trash. And if we will, I want to close with this thought as we close this sermon today. Verse 23 of our scripture says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make way, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So the thought here is that repentance prepares the way for Jesus to do something miraculous. Repentance is something that you can do. All right? The Lord convicts us, brings guilt and shame. We respond by repentance. That's hard. It's confession. It's, it's being honest with yourself. That's hard to do. But if we will do it, this is what prepares the way for God to do a miracle. God does the miracle when we will be faithful to repent. Make way the straight of the Lord. The Lord will do miraculous things when he finds an atmosphere of purity and holiness. Think about that. Isn't that true in many areas of your life? You know, once the car is clean, wow, then you can have fun with it. You can drive around and not be ashamed if somebody gets in your car, right? If you have a, a, a house that is stacked to the ceiling, you know, with trash, you're not going to want to invite people over to have a good time with you, right? But once the house is clean, wow, you can invite people in. You can have a good time, fellowship, uh, eat some popcorn, play some cards. See, when, the, when, the, when your body is clean, when your filters are working properly, well, then, yeah, you could go and you could, you could do things and you can go outside and play basketball. But when there is, when there is filth involved, I have to spend time at the hospital. <laughs> it's true with our spiritual lives as well. Listen carefully. When we find cleansing, then God is able to do things with our lives that we never thought possible. I could never, I could never stand behind a pulpit unless first I go in a prayer room and say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. Because I... I'm not, how, how could I stand in front of you having filth in my own life? It's like the doctor who performs operations and surgeries. He has to spend time in the, you know, at the sink with the soap and the iodine and cleaning his fingers and putting on rubber gloves and has to cover all of his hair and put on a mask. Why does he have to clean so much? Because he's going to do important things. He's going to open somebody up. And fix something internally. This is true of our lives. If we want to make impact for the kingdom. 
if we want to be involved in ministry, if we want to meet with Jesus, we have to prepare with cleansing. There is hope this morning that no matter who you are or what you're involved in or what kind of filth is plastered all over you, that the blood of Jesus is enough to bring cleansing. This is another great truth from the car wash. Some people go to the car wash with just, you know, one little spot of bird poo-poo on the windshield. Some people show up at the car wash, the entire vehicle covered in mud. Or, you know, when it's, when it's the, that time of year when all the pollen falls and your car turns green, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to go through that thing two times. But here's the hope. In either, in either case, whether it's a little spot or whether you're covered in filth, Eventually, cars can get clean, can't they? That's the hope of the blood of Jesus, that no matter who you are, no matter what filth is in your mind or in your heart, there is nothing too hard that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. In fact, for those who have greater sin, there is even greater grace. Listen to this scripture, Romans 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, Grace abounded much more. In other words, this morning, that the grace and the mercy, the forgiveness of God will meet you with a greater force than the force of your sins. This is incredible this morning. So how do we find this cleansing power? We have to confess. We have to allow God to cleanse us. And then Jesus can do miracle work in our lives. I close with this last thought from the life of Noah. In Genesis chapter 8, the famous story of Noah, how the earth was flooded for 40 days and 40 nights. And Noah's there on the ark with all of those creatures that God had led into the ark. You know the story. And so now some time has passed. The entire world has been destroyed except for Noah, his family, and the inhabitants of that ark. And eventually the time comes that Noah's thinking, I got to get off of this ark. I got to get out of here. But he can't get out if it's not safe. And so Noah does something to prepare. He comes out of the ark and he's got a bird in his hand. The first bird that he lets out is a raven. This is Genesis 8, verse 7. He sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. In other words, he released the raven and it never came back. That was kind of useless. Because a raven is known as a scavenger, right? It's like a rat of the sky. And why did the raven not return? Well, I imagine the raven found some feasts floating on the surface. Maybe some brontosauruses or brachiosauruses. Maybe he found some, you know, some some dead animals, some carcasses floating, bloated. And he said, yum, yum, give me some. And he never came back to the ark because he was chewing up some nasty old dead creature but then in verse 8 Noah also sends out another bird a dove now this bird was actually very helpful because doves are known as a very clean bird doves are not known to scavenge and and pick at dead carcasses so this dove went out and flew around for a little while could find no place to land and so returned to Noah Verse 9, the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. 
and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face. In other words, the dove could find no branch, couldn't find no bush, and that told Noah that it was not yet safe to get out. And then, then a few days later, he released the dove again. She didn't come back, which meant, meant that the tops of the trees were showing it was time to start preparing to get out of the ark. This is a picture about purity. The raven is the representative of the way the world thinks. Just feed on any nasty thing that floats by. The dove, however, represents the spirit of God. Remember that when Jesus was baptized in water, how the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and appeared to everyone there like a dove. What is that? It's a picture of purity, of holiness. That dove will not just go and rest on anything that floats by. The Spirit of God will rest upon that which is holy and clean and pure. Let me ask you this morning. Do you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? The Holy Spirit will not rest on any old dead carcass. The Holy Spirit will rest upon that which has been cleansed, purified, and made new. How about you this morning? Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to make impact for the kingdom? Do you want to speak in a way that your, that your friends, your neighbors, your family members, that they will be influenced because of the Spirit of God in you? You have to be purified. Sanctification is the process of being made holy. And this is the work that God wants to do in all of our lives. 1 Corinthians six eleven, Such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We have an altar this morning. An altar is a place of purification. An altar is a place where a sacrifice is made and where a Spirit of God can fall. What about you? Are you preparing the way for the Lord Jesus to do a work in your life? You can do that today. By working the work of purity. If you would spend as much time and effort cleaning your mind and your heart as you do your car, I wonder what difference could be made for the kingdom of God this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.